Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to your second wind. And indeed, today is a second. This is a continuation of a previous recording that we did last week. And I was so delighted with Dr. Jerry Levine and all that she offers that there was just not enough time. So she graciously said, yes, I'll come back. And so that is going to, she is going to be our guest today. Now, let me remind you, Dr. Jerry Levine is a doctor of education and a doctor Doctor of Psychology, and she is an educational psychologist who has been working in the Atlanta area, Atlanta, Georgia area, for more than 25 years, helping children and adults reach their goals and dreams by teaching them how to better process information. She uses simple techniques to help create better brain function and self-control. Now, Dr. Jerry is and also is an Ireland director certified in the Ireland method, which we will talk more about today, neurofeedback practitioner, a Simon practitioner, and she is a workshop facilitator and conference speaker. Most recently addressing the 2015 Ireland International Conference, the 2017 Cancer Survivors Conference, the 2017 Louisiana School Nursing Conference. She is also a firewalk instructor. I love that part. I love that part. And a graduate of Edwin Gaines Master School and a prosperity teach specialist in goal-setting, forgiveness, and meditation. So welcome, Dr. Jerry. We are so excited that we could continue this conversation. We just filled up the last hour. I know, right? It went so fast. (laughs) It did. It did. Now, you know, today I think we're going to focus more on the brain, which is uh, one of your primary areas of of educating and teaching, but how to better focus and and have attention, which we're all suffering from just because of the stress level that we all live on, as well as some other causes. But also we're going to address reduce stress and fatigue and maximize brain function. So I guess you'd say this is about the brain today, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a really good place to start is understanding how we think. One of the areas that we get in trouble with both professionally and personally is that we just assume that everyone thinks exactly the same way we do. 
<laughs> and it's not true. I work with schools all the time teaching teachers how students think differently and how we have to accommodate those differences. Mm-hmm. And if somebody has a partner or a spouse or a boss or an employee or a child or a friend, it's mm-hmm. important to understand not only how we process but how other people process information. And when people go to my website, efficientbrain.com, there is a free quiz that they can take that will help them determine their processing style. Mm. And it's really good information. And anyone that has questions past that, please email me, and I can certainly give you some further information. But we all learn three ways. We all learn consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously. We Mm. all learn visually, auditorily, and kinesthetically. And Mm -hmm. so the trick is to know which one you are on which level. Mm. And so a lot of people will say, oh, I'm a visual learner, or I'm a kinesthetic learner, or I'm an auditory learner. That conscious level is often easier to determine. But Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it than just that conscious level. And the conscious level is easy to find because it's that modality that you need when you really have to know something. If you have to take in information and you know you're going to be tested on it or you're going to have to remember it, what's the easiest way for you to take that in? What's the easiest way to remember that information? Some people absolutely need to see it. Mm-hmm. Some people do so much better when they can listen and talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And then some people do better when they're actively involved. Uh, kinesthetic learners, kinesthetic people who are consciously kinesthetic are those that benefit from building the volcano, not writing a report about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Kinesthetic yeah. learners also like to have some level of movement when they're learning. So they're either actively involved in a process or they just have the ability to even stand in the back of the room and sway or shift positions, you know, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. They just need Mm -hmm. some level of movement. Mm -hmm. Even chewing gum while listening to a lecture will help them retain that information. Kinesthetic learners... Yeah, kinesthetic learners also attach to an emotion. So it's the hardest group of people to explain the concept of cutting off your nose to spite your face. Mm-hmm. So well, they are the type of people that work better for a teacher they like, a boss they like, a coach they like than when they don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They, that emotional attachment makes a big difference with okay. someone who's kinesthetic. Yeah. And, yeah. and so... Go ahead. Well, I'm as you're talking, I'm like, okay, I'm that. And then you go to the next one. Okay, no, <laughs> not so much that. And then you get to the kinesthetic. Kin, kin, kinesthetic. Oh, can't say it. Can't say it. And I'm like, I am definitely that one. <laughs> so don't we have a little of all of them usually? Well, you, well, you do. You have different. You have you have all three. It's a matter of which one you are on which level. So when you really have to know something, Mm -hmm. when you're going to have to remember information, do you want to see it or hear it or do it? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yes. which one is the one that you have to have? I think I'm um, do it. Okay. And listen, I, I, if I do it, it's better. But if I <clears throat> listen, it's also even better. Um, but no, I can't read it. I can't. Okay. Mm-mm. So were you a, were you an athlete or are you an athlete? No. Was it easy to pick up a new physical skill when you were young and learning to ride a bike, when you played tennis or golf or whatever activities? Were those easy or did they take some practice? Well, they took practice. Yeah, I'd say they okay. took practice. Okay. So, so Right. So that would make me think that you were auditory on a conscious level, which makes uh-huh. a whole lot of sense having a podcast. Right. And right. That you are <laughs> right. Exactly. That you are auditory on a conscious level, kinesthetic on a subconscious level, mm. and then visual on an unconscious level. So if you have to read something, is it harder to focus? Is it harder to stay with it? Do you tend to drift off daydream? Yes, definitely. Okay. That's because that unconscious is that level where that's that level that we use to help get us into a deeper state, into a a more of a theta state. Mm -hmm. And so when you're wanting to do something that's conscious, when you're cognitively learning something when you're, you know, wanting to be really focused, you want to be able to combine the auditory mm-hmm. and the kinesthetic. Those two things together will help you stay more focused. So if you can have some movement while you're listening to something, if you mm. can suck on a piece of candy or ice or chew gum even, if you're in a lecture hall, you know, where you really can't get up and move around, a yeah. worry stone, uh, you know, a, a mala, something that, you know, even if it's just running the beads through your fingers, mm-hmm. those, that just that simple movement will help you anchor that auditory information much better. Hmm. And Amazing. then when you're wanting to do deep work, when you're wanting to do the forgiveness work or the meditation mm-hmm. work, uh, when you're really getting into that creative space, when you're wanting to create, then you want to use the visual and the kinesthetic together because that'll take you to a deeper place more quickly. Okay, let me use you as an example right now. Sure. I have to create a lot of content in my work. And um, I, it's hard for me just to come in, sit down, and start writing. So I find that it's easier for me to say it, to record it, and then to play, get it transcribed, and then come back and adjust it. Now, what is that that's going on there? That's is that exactly anything? yes. That's that's exactly it. People think that writing is a kinesthetic activity, and it's not. It's visual. Mm. So of course, it's hard for you to sit down and just start writing because mm-hmm. that's pulling up your deepest layer. That's that unconsciousness of you, mm-hmm. and so. When you can say it, that's mm-hmm. cognitive, that's, you know, and then when, then when you go to edit that material, it's not the labor of writing it all out. 
you know what it says. And so then Mm -hmm. that's your ability to skim through, find the places that you want to tweak. And that amount of visual work is much more palatable than handwriting six pages of of content. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, yes. That is wonderful. I, I use this a lot in couples counseling because oftentimes I will get two people and one will be very visual on a conscious level. I'm mm-hmm. visual on a conscious level. We make really mm-hmm. good eye t- contact. We mm-hmm. we feel that eye contact is that way of staying connected. Yes. And then that person will have a partner who is kinesthetic on a conscious level. And people who are kinesthetic on a conscious level cannot make sustained eye contact. They have to oh. look away to think. And the visual person takes it personally and will say, oh, my gosh, you know, he won't connect with me. She won't stay connected with me. They won't look at me. Well, once you explain to the visual person that if Mm -hmm. the kinesthetic person sits there and stares at them, they're not Mm -hmm. listening to a thing. They can't. They can't Right. They can't maintain that eye contact because that makes them drift off it makes them go unconscious and so I will show and then when you take all the personal out of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) then there's nothing to be upset over Mm -hmm. and then we find ways to make these two different learning styles connect if 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 I have a partner who is kinesthetic on a conscious level and Mm -hmm. there's a very important subject Mm-hmm. that we need to discuss, then you would want to do it with that person while you're going for a walk or oh. even doing the dishes. One person washes and one dries. So there's mm-hmm. some kind of physical movement so they can stay engaged in the conversation. Oh, my gosh. You could save so many marriages that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and oh. at, the end of the, at the end of the day, the thing that is important is that we want to be understood. You know, it's not, it's not a magic way to get my way, but mm-hmm. at the end of a conversation or at the end of the, the situation, if I can present information in a way that I know the person I'm dealing with understands it, then I know I have at least been understood. I have been heard. Wow. And oftentimes that's all we're really looking for. So if you're going in to ask for a raise, mm-hmm. you want to understand how that person that you're asking, that boss, you want to understand how he or she processes information because you want to make your point in a way that they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you're a parent working with a child, you want to make sure that child understands the situation and you want to be able to present information in a way that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the bed made without a fight, but mm-hmm. but there's a better chance. Right. Yeah. I could see that in my son and I guess also in my daughter, where they just kind of, their eyes would roll back in their heads sometimes. I mean, just <laughs> check out on me. <laughs> because they are probably not auditory on a conscious level. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. How awesome to work with you. How awesome to work with you. 
So w- once we take this test, and doesn't that make you, a listening audience, does that make you want to go do it immediately so that you can get feedback? What a great um, information we could have. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can take the quiz. It, it's really easy. It's a it's a 15-question quiz, and it's uh, the learning styles inventory is, is how you'll find it on the website. And when you're taking the quiz, because you're doing it on the computer, uh, you will only have the opportunity to choose one of the four choices. Most questions have four choices for answers. Some have three. And you only get to choose one. So... When you're picking an answer, mm-hmm. it is important to think about what is your natural instinct, not what have we learned to do over time, not how have oh. not how we yeah. have learned to accommodate, but what is that natural instinct? Because people mm-hmm. who love us very much spent probably an enormous amount of time trying to beat our natural instincts out of us. Uh, you know, in school. Yes, right. Very, you know, very, the best students are those who are auditory, visual, kinesthetic. They can sit still for long periods of time. They can listen well and then mm-hmm. take notes as a backup. That's, that's the best classroom student. That's the best learning style for the way our classrooms are typically set up. Oh. And that is not the majority of students that I deal mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Right? No. And so, and back in the day, remember how... There used to be that pencil sharpener up in the corner of the room, and you could get up and go sharpen your pencils. Well, that kid that started with a full pencil in the morning and was down to a half an inch by the afternoon, that's your kinesthetic kid yeah. who could not stay seated all day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, it's, it's, so, so when you're taking that quiz, you really want to think about what's the natural instinct and then if there's really two that you can't choose between, then just write them down. At the end, um, if you do it on the computer, the computer will tally your results, mm-hmm. and it will put you in one of the six basic learning styles. And then oh. there is a, a thumbnail of each of those learning styles that gives you information about how that particular learning style processes and thinks and reacts. Now, I've heard in taking tests also that a lot of times you, you need to go with your first thought. Is Absolutely. That, is that I how think you in this also? especially because yeah. I think that the, the higher the IQ, the smarter someone is, the better they compensate. Mm-hmm. And so, and so it's, it's harder. The smarter you are, the harder the quiz is <laughs> simply because we compensate so well that you really have to let go of all that. Mm-hmm. And yes, I can do this. And yes, I can do that. But what is the easiest? What's less effortful? What is my natural instinct? Yeah. Yeah. Is how you want to, is how you want to answer. And then you can also take it for other people or have other people take it to get an idea. And again, it's going to be a general understanding of that learning style. So every little detail might not be exactly right, but there should be right. one of the six that, that really makes sense. Did you say you and, could take it for other people? Well, if, you, know, take- if, you, if you knew somebody well enough, you might could. Or oh. you could certainly, you know, have them take it. 
And one of the one of the things uh, that'll come up a lot is determining whether somebody is either visual or kinesthetic on a conscious mm-hmm. level. And the question I always ask if they have a question about which one they are is when you go to get dressed in the morning, what is the most important thing, how it looks or how it feels? (laughs) If it's more important that it looks good, Mm -hmm. even if it's not as comfortable, that's Mm -hmm. a person who is visual on a conscious level. If it's somebody that has to be comfortable no matter what, Mm-hmm. that's somebody who's kinesthetic on a conscious level. Do they ever transition sort of like in your earlier years, you're one way and then the last year you just go for comfort. Is that, <laughs> does that happen? Or, or was the last year the one that you really should have been living your whole life with? <laughs> I wonder if the last one isn't the one that is more you And we were conforming to somebody else's expectations earlier on. So, again, it's not what did my mom make me do. Yes. It's what's the best for me, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it's so helpful when you understand that somebody just thinks in a different way and it doesn't make you wrong or the other person wrong. It's just that we're all a little different. And when we can take that into consideration, communication becomes so much easier. Oh, I can see the benefit. Now, for teachers, I'm also seeing a um, challenge there because they have so many. They're going to have three different type of learners in, in a classroom. So how do they adapt their teaching styles to feed, um, help these students? Well, at the risk of stepping on some toes, teachers oh. like me least of all oh, yeah. <laughs> of any group I work with <laughs> because it is hard to change a classroom. And, and I understand that. I do. I spent years teaching in a classroom before mm. uh, I went into private practice. So I, I certainly mm. understand that. However, I do workshops and public speaking events all the time, and I include auditory, visual, and kinesthetic activities in every workshop Oh, because I want everybody to walk out of that room with a great wealth of knowledge and understanding of what we spent the last two hours doing, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And in a Mm -hmm. classroom, it really isn't that hard to, you just have to be conscious. You can talk about something for five or 10 minutes and then give them visual, you know, illustrations of that or have someone, you know, act out a Mm -hmm. scene from a hit. You know, I mean, you have to get creative. You really do. And you have to be conscious about your time interval because Mm -hmm. those of us that are more auditory can just go on and on and on and on (laughs) when Mm -hmm. we lose part of our audience who cannot do sustained auditory activities, right? Yes. And so it's a little frustrating, I know, for teachers, but at the same time, some of my teachers that do the best are coaches and people Mm -hmm. who are more kinesthetic and they know they have a certain amount of visual and auditory information they have to get across, but they're Mm -hmm. more comfortable with letting their kids move Mm -hmm. because they need that movement, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, for for the listeners... For y'all out there, I w- 
Her website is www.efficientbrain, E-F-F-I-C-I-E-N-T, brain, B-R-A-I-N-E-I-N.com, for those that wanted to go and take this test. I mean, I wanted to repeat that because I, I think it's really an awesome way for us to get some great information. Sure. So, and anyone who has a question about the test or the what they came up with or want further information, there's a way to email me from mm-hmm. the website, and I'm happy okay. to to answer those. Oh, yeah. So uh, have you written your book yet, Jerry and Dr. Jerry? <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm in the process. We're we're kind of working on it now, and so um and I think what I'm going to do is is I I want to really focus on the idea of superpowers and what is your superpower, and Mm -hmm. you know determine is it compassion, is it um, forgiveness, is it you know integrity, is it because ultimately we want to create all of those things in our life, right? And so it's, I'm a big believer in that we teach from strength. And so Mm -hmm. we start with those things that we know we do well, and then how do we build the rest of it around that? And so that's kind of what I'm working on with the book. I love that superpower. I'm about empowerment. Right. Somehow it just gets washed away through ages, our ages. You know, we just, we end up not knowing who we are. We're confused, and we're off paths, definitely. And to be able to get back on our path and sort of reconnect with who we were in our very beginning life when we hadn't been molded and shaped by our environments, uh, I think that's awesome, Dr. Jerry. Um, I think that's really needed. Could you hurry that up? (laughs) (laughs) I promise. I'm working on it. <laughs> so we we have just a few minutes before we go to break. But one of the things that you're going to be talking about is brain gym, and that's definitely in the classroom to help adults and children on being able to process information. So I have done a little of the brain gym work here. I've worked with the school locally, and um, this was a school where all where the Children had just been eliminated for so, from so many schools, and the parents were asking for how do I how do I educate this child? Um, you know, I've gone through all the schools, and they can't take her, they can't feed her, they can't support her. So I was introduced through to Brain Gym through um, just being involved with that school. So I'm excited to get onto that because it's made such a difference in this this community for that family that has a child with learning difficulties. So, um, so anyway, um, before we go into bring Jim, uh, we have about a minute. Is there something you could say in a brief minute about brain Jim? Oh, it is the, one of the fastest ways to turn on parts of the brain that have disconnected and we disconnect so easily and so quickly and we'll talk about how that happens in a few minutes and it's such a great easy way just to turn everything back on and get the brain focused and ready to learn yeah well I've seen it work for children 
And I also had a woman in a gathering that we had adult saw great success with this. Um, so when we come back, we will be talking about brain gym. Um, would you call that a technique? Absolutely. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. Have you all gone to the website yet to check in on that? <laughs> I did not, but I, I look forward to doing it after the program today. We're going to talk a little bit about brain jib, which we just mentioned in the last um, segment. So, Dr. Jerry, tell us the brain gym again, its benefit, and, and exactly what it is. Well, brain gyms are a series of exercises that help bring the brain back into focus, help turn it on, and keep it working. Mm-hmm. And they're all over YouTube. They're easy to find. You can do certain ones in a series. That will mm-hmm. help organize the brain. You can also do some that are individual. One of the things I do when I start every speaking engagement, every workshop, I have everyone in the audience uh, take their hands and cross them across their chest where mm-hmm. the opposite hand is on the opposite shoulder. Yes. And they, and they tap ten times. Mm-hmm. And then they change, they put the other hand on top and tap the shoulders again ten times. Mm-hmm. And then cross their arms over their lap with their legs uncrossed, mm-hmm. tap ten times, put the other arm on top and tap their thighs again ten okay. times. And mm-hmm. so what that does, there's a, there's a band between the two hemispheres of the brain called the corpus callosum. And it's a band of nerves that allows the two hemispheres to interact together appropriately and effectively. 
And when we become stressed, mm-hmm. when we become anxious, when we're under fluorescent lighting for a long time, that mm-hmm. band, that corpus callosum will switch off. And the two hemispheres stop interacting the way they're supposed to. So if you've ever walked into the grocery store and thought, okay, wait, why, why, why am I here? What, what did I come here for? Yeah. Where's the list what, in the car? Oh, my gosh. Right? Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. What that tells me is your two hemispheres aren't talking to each other. And oh. so, so when we do that tapping, 10, 10, 10, 10, mm-hmm. and we cross the hemispheres, that's why you're crossing your arms. Mm-hmm. It switches that corpus callosum back on, and those two hemispheres can can coordinate effectively. Now, being out of balance, does that affect uh, fear as well? Absolutely, because when we're not processing effectively, everything's a little out of proportion. Everything mm-hmm. gets distorted to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And so with, with brain gems, what we're wanting is those two hemispheres to speak to each other correctly and help keep the brain a little more balanced. When we get out of balance, that's what happens when we, when we become anxious, when we become fearful, when there's an enormous amount of anxiety, it's because we're not in balance and one part of the brain is trying to do jobs that just aren't really that part of the brain's actual job. It tries to compensate. Mm -hmm. And so when we stay in a fearful space, Mm -hmm. the amygdala, that's that part of the brain that regulates a lot of this, that amygdala stays over aroused and it, it continues to work. It makes us hypervigilant. It makes us look for every possible danger. And, mm-hmm. and the reason we're sitting here is because we have ancestors whose amygdalas worked really well mm-hmm. because they saved them from predators and the dangers right. of early life, right? And mm-hmm. so now to be able to keep that amygdala in check is very different. Back, you know, in, the, in, in Stone Age and, you know, thousands of years ago, tens of thousands of years ago, we would, we, if, if there was a situation that created an enormous amount of anxiety, like there's a lion coming after yes. you, yes. you would run. Yes. You would run, you would hide, you would have that ability for the body to work out that extra energy, for the body to work out that anxiety. Oh, yes. And that adrenaline uh-huh. rush. Uh-huh. And now yeah. you get in an argument with a coworker or mm-hmm. your boss says something to you and what do you do? You go back to your cubicle and sit. Yes. All that energy stays in the body. Oh. And our brains are working constantly to try to maneuver all that. And so when someone becomes upset and there's that adrenaline rush, Mm -hmm. the amygdala has to overcompensate because there's not an outlet for it otherwise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so many people have, yes, this anxiety I hear about. And I do it myself. I can get in a twit in the night 
And I mean, it's like my eyes are wide open because I'm processing. And I've heard several of my friends, and I, so I think it's very common that we do this. And if we got up and ran around our house, would that help? If you got up and ran around the house, that would help. And then I have, what a great segue. I have another breathing activity. We did one last week, and I have another mm-hmm. one for you this week that is like a tranquilizer to the amygdala. Oh, good. So when someone starts to feel panicked or upset, or if you wake up in that adrenaline rush of a dream, and even if you just have trouble falling asleep, just because Mm -hmm. that mind is just working, 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 overactive. Mm -hmm. This is, I did not make this up. You can find it all over the internet. It's called four, seven, eight breathing. And four, seven, eight breathing means you breathe in for four counts through your nose. Mm -hmm. You hold your breath for seven counts. Mm -hmm. You breathe out through the mouth for eight counts with your tongue at the, at the front of the roof of your mouth. Hmm. When you put pressure at the front of the roof of your mouth, mm-hmm. it's like it's the same sensation as, sucking, as a baby sucking a thumb. Why do babies suck their thumbs? Oh. Because when you put pressure there, it calms uh-huh. the limbic system. Oh. That's why babies suck their thumbs. They are calming their brains. Oh. That's what. That's all that activity is about, is calming the brain. Mm-hmm. And so you breathe in for four counts through the nose. You hold for seven. You breathe out through the mouth for eight counts with the tongue at the top of the roof of the mouth. And you do it four times. It takes 56 seconds. This is not an activity that people say, well, I don't have time to do that. Yeah, do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do it really. four times. And if you're lightheaded, if that makes you kind of dizzy, if that makes mm-hmm. you lightheaded, then this is something you need to be doing on a regular basis. Oh. So if it's not a it, sign to stop. It's a sign to keep going. It's a sign to keep yep. going, for sure. So you do it four times, and you kind of see where you are. Mm-hmm. And you give it a minute, and then you do it four more times. Yes. But you don't, and I don't know why. I really don't understand the reasoning behind this next part of the instruction. But you do, you do not do it more than eight times, which would be two series, in a 15 or 20-minute space of time. So you just do it eight times, and then you just kind of see where you are. Yeah. Yeah. And nine out of ten times, that's enough to calm the system down. Hmm. And I have I have seen people come out of full blown panic attacks by doing four seven eight breathing. It's that effective. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's big. It is, that and it's so, so simple. Yes, it's just it is. It's so simple, and there there's so many things that we can do to. To, to calm the system and to keep us in a, a place of homeostasis. And mm-hmm. I think that the biggest issue I run into with people is they don't have any idea how over-aroused they are. Oh, that's true. I can see that. Right? I think we yeah. don't realize how overworked and how, how hard we're working all the time. 
And when I have someone who comes to me for an appointment for Erlen, but the Erlen method is another of the, the things that I do in my practice. And mm-hmm. it's, it is, uh, it's probably right now my most favorite thing. It's just such an easy answer. Some of us don't process light correctly. Oh. And because we don't process light correctly, it keeps the brain in a state of overarousal. It can cause distortions on a page. It can make a page look blurry when there's no vision issue or when the vision issue has been corrected and someone reads for a long period of time and the page will start to get blurry. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the letters will jump around. It feels like they move on the page. Mm -hmm. For other people, um, depth perception is an issue. Yes. They have... Like for me, I have a lot, I have Erlen, I, I have Erlen syndrome. And so I totally get this. Like for me, I have trouble getting on an escalator. I don't know where to put my foot. Oh. I have trouble pulling into a parking space mm. because I don't, I can't tell when I'm all the way in it just by looking, but I put mm-hmm. my lenses on, my Erlen lenses on and I can dance down an escalator. So <laughs> It's, it's, and it's instantaneous. It's amazing. I mean, I'll have a child who really is struggling with reading and not reading on grade level. We find the right frequencies of light that we need in order to balance the brain, and several of them are reading years above grade level within oh a one-and-a-half-hour appointment. Wow. So, so for those that have the visual aspects of dyslexia, mm-hmm. uh, ADD symptoms, Mm-hmm. Depth perception, headaches, migraines. Oh, migraines. I wow. have surgeons all over the southeast in lenses because they get headaches from the lights in the operating room. Mm. And nobody yeah. wants a dopey surgeon. They can't take the medication. <laughs> no. True. Put them in yeah. lenses and they don't get a headache anymore. Hmm. Now, has the increase of using the computers affected us? Does it cause um, Erlen? I think that Erlen is something you either have or you don't. I think there's a hereditary component to this for sure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it is probably more astrobated because of the situations that we put our brains in, like staring at a computer screen. Yeah. One of the one of the areas that we see a big difference when we move someone into lenses when they have this is fatigue. I get so many people, engineers and IT people that spend all day in front of a computer screen and they're exhausted at night yeah. and we find the right lens combination and they can get all their work done in the day and they're not exhausted at five o'clock when it's time to go home. Yeah. You know, now you talk about testing. So how does somebody determine? I mean, we could have symptoms, but some of those symptoms, you know, my eyes get tired and I wouldn't know if I was a candidate or not. So how do you, what are the signs that you might be a candidate? And then what's involved in, you mentioned testing, what kind of testing and so forth. Okay, so... The first thing, the different areas, let's do that first. So the different okay. areas that there can be issues, uh, light sensitivity, mm-hmm. 
reading, if there's a, if somebody is a slow reader or an in, inefficient reader, if they don't like reading, if reading makes you sleepy or yes. tired, it's hard to stay focused. Not even with, with reading, but with any visual task, if it's hard to stay focused, if it's hard to pay attention, mm-hmm. if there are headaches or migraines that are light, heat, or stress-induced, Mm-hmm. depth perception issues. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I send people to the Erlen website. It's I-R-L-E-N.com. And on the Erlen website, there's a self-test. And it is the best vetting tool because before I see any client for this testing, I send them to the Erlen website and I have them take the self-test. If someone has yes answers to those questions, absolutely mm-hmm. you want to be screened by a certified Erlen screener. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a matter of whether or not you have it, quite honestly, at that point. It's a matter of how much difference is color going to make, how much difference is finding those light frequencies that balance the brain, how much difference is that going to make for you? And so people ask me, well, how often do you screen someone that that doesn't have this? I never screen someone that doesn't have this. Number one, I don't Mm. want to waste your time or your money. And two, if somebody has yes answers to those questions, absolutely this is something that will make a difference. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have all the symptoms. You know, there are different sections of the test, and if you have three or more yeses in any one of those sections, anytime you have a yes answer, that's a place where Erlen would make a difference. Oh. And then on their website, you can look up by state who the screeners and diagnosticians are, and a mm-hmm. screener takes you through that process to determine exactly what your symptoms are and for sure do you have this and gets you at least initially in an overlay, something that you can put over the page or over the computer screen to make that more comfortable. Oh. And then if an overlay makes a difference, then you want to see a diagnostician who can then determine what the exact frequencies of light your individual brain needs in mm-hmm. order to process information better, and then we have lenses or contacts made from those frequencies. And the colors that you use are what? Are, are the, are, I saw some with the, yellow. Are, yes, and, and, and so we call it color, but all color is, Mm-hmm. is a frequency of light. And so what we're doing is we're finding those exact frequencies that that the person I'm testing, that that individual brain needs. My mother was in the first group Helen Erlen ever trained 32 years ago. And oh, really? all the time we've been doing this, and we've tested thousands and thousands of people I don't know that we've ever had two people in exactly the same combination. It is so individual. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There are over 700,000 possible lens combinations. Wow. And so we just find exactly what that brain needs by just a process of, basically a process of elimination as we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've got newscasters that couldn't get on the news desk because they couldn't read the teleprompter fast enough. Mm-hmm. I have professional athletes that 
had difficulty. I have golfers that have difficulty hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. I have artists that say once that that visual processing component is more balanced in their brains, that color is often more vivid and that mm-hmm. they it's much easier for them to draw or paint perspective where you have to show depth in a, mm-hmm. in a painting, that that becomes much easier to do once they have a better understanding of what that actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I work with students all the time that are having trouble in school. 46% of those with, who have been diagnosed with some type of learning disability or dyslexia have Erlen to some extent. About mm-hmm. 35% of those with ADHD have Erlen to some extent. And about a mm-hmm. third of both of those groups have been completely misdiagnosed. Well. So sometimes <laughs> it's just the visual processing. And as soon as we fix that, mm-hmm. then the rest of it falls into place. They can focus. They can pay attention. They can work for extended periods of time. What this does to reduce anxiety and mm-hmm. depression those kinds of things. It's just, it's amazing. And it's such a simple process. And in Mm. my field, there aren't a lot of things that are fast and easy. And Mm. so this is just one of those things that really is fast and it really is easy. And it can just really make a huge difference in a number of ways. And we have pilot studies in schools all hmm. over the, the country showing how in a classroom just the use of the overlays even will make a difference for students across the board. Well, is it because I'm not in that industry that <clears throat> of teaching in the classroom that I'm unfamiliar with the Erlen method or um, how long has it been around? What's... It's been around about 30 years mm-hmm. and we are doing everything we can to to get it out there and to market it and to to get it better known. There was recently a parent in Texas mm-hmm. whose daughter was whose daughter was tested and put in Erlen lenses, and the mother wrote an article. What if it's not a learning disability or ADD? And yes. she posted that article. On the Today Show website, the parent page. Yes. And things just kind of exploded. It's just, it's been really wonderful. And I have wow. recently put the, one of the uh, executive uh, news directors at CNN in lenses. And so we're going to do some segments oh. too there. So I think it's a matter of just kind of getting the word out. Mm-hmm. We are certainly working on. On that, we're right now in the middle of a study with Cornell University using fMRIs to show the difference of a brain that is scotopic. This is scotopic sensitivity, the inability to process light. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a study with Cornell showing the difference between a brain that is that needs lenses, that is scotopic, that's not in lenses, and then that same brain how it functions when the lenses are on. And we've got some really nice mm. uh, visual aids to yes. help with that. And, and yeah. it, it just sounds so bizarre. I mean, it just mm. sounds like really looking through some color is going to change my life. <laughs> and it's so nice to have that 
science backup that says, you know, absolutely. And I have other psychologists in Atlanta that refer to me, uh, especially mm-hmm. when they're doing educational and psychological evaluations for students. And so they'll send them to me because they know that they have Erlen. And mm-hmm. the families come in, and they're relatively polite, but I am clearly wasting two hours of their lives they'll never get back. <laughs> and by the time we're done, I'm looking for more Kleenex because everybody's crying because Johnny's never been able to read like that before. Oh, so, it's got so, to be so rewarding. Oh. It, it, oh, I just love it. And so, you know, worst case, mm-hmm. you're out, you know, maybe somewhere between 75 and 125, depending on what that particular screener charges for screening. So mm-hmm. you're out about $100 and an hour of your time, worst case. Wow. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. it makes a difference, it's just worth looking at, I think. And, Definitely. And, again, it's important to me to find as many modalities and as many answers as I can that are not invasive to the body and the brain. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, right. and, and we've had so many students that have been able to come off of medication. 70% of those on the autism spectrum are helped by Erlen and 80% of head injuries. I am working, really? I am working very hard with veterans now trying to get as many vets and lenses who need them as I possibly can because it makes, it makes such a huge difference for any kind of concussion or mm-hmm. explosive injury. And I, I deal with very few vets that come home that haven't had some of those issues. And then when yeah. the brain's calmer, there are other areas that get better. Sleep gets better. PTSD gets better. Mm-hmm. They can often come off of some of the medications that they're on because they're overprescribed medications looking for this answer. Yeah. And if we can do it with lenses, holy cow, mm-hmm. so yeah. much better. It'd be fascinating just to know how did this come about? I mean, this is so, I mean, maybe um, how would something someone think about the, the color that would influence so much of one person's life. I mean, well, it was created by a um, a woman? By a woman. Her name is Helen Erlen. Mm-hmm. And she had a son who was autistic. Mm-hmm. And she noticed, she was at UCLA in mm-hmm. graduate school. And in working with her son, she noticed that different colors helped him with visual activities, helped him with reading, helped him with, you know, he would be more focused. He would be more attentive. Yes. Or or he would be more combative, depending on the color, mm-hmm. right? That it mm-hmm. definitely made a difference in his ability to process visual information. Oh. And so that kind of got all the wheels rolling and got everything started. And yeah. he then developed yeah. this whole process. Wow. Isn't it amazing how we can so be blessed so much by somebody else's their their need to learn to know why, and it comes oh, out absolutely. of their own suffering that we get this benefit. Um, now, Erlen, Erlen, sorry, Erlen is spelled I R L E N. So please go to the website Erlenmethod dot com and take the self test um, for your benefit as well as brain gym is spelled with b r a i n g y m s so for your searching you need to have those two spellings correctly 
correct. So we are coming again to the end of an of a very short hour for us. <laughs> but there's no there isn't so much information in this hour. It's just been mind-boggling for me. Uh, Dr. Jerry, I just so am, have so much respect for all of those different modalities and the knowledge that you've shared with us. And I'm going to take the, both those tests. So <laughs> thank oh, you good, very much. Oh, good, because I want to screen you. <laughs> oh, good, good. Screen me. <laughs> I do. I've had trouble reading. So this has just been awesome. So in the short time, we have just a minute, and we'll be off and gone on our own way. I thank you so much for being with us today. Um, it's You've truly offered good value for us. Oh, thank you so much, Joyce. I so appreciate any opportunity I get to hang out with you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And for those out there that are listening for the first time, or maybe you've come back for the second segment of our visit with Dr. Jerry, do go back and listen to the first. You will be benefited from the experience. And I so look forward to talking with you next week. It's always a pleasure to bring my fabulous guests to you and so that your lives can be rewarded. And the second time around is so much easier. I love it. So as you go through your week today, this week, I bless you and I I love you. So please come back. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 